Hey, buddy. Welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. Now, this is a two-part podcast that going on with my special guest and very good friend, Lazo Freeman. Now, this show is always brought to you by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel. Go there, get your website hosting insight built for you. They'll do always do that. You guys should know that by now. Also sponsored by lazofreeman.com, the actual transformation coach that is kicking ass all sorts of ways, and he'll tell you more about that in a moment. Lazo, thank you for being here. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure, Adel, to have me here and have a school. Chit-chat, completely unplugged. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, for the people that, because again, we're not using cameras for this, we're actually sitting half a foot away from each other right now. We're really cuddled up and uh, he's all muscly and cuddly. So just have that image in your mind while we're doing this. <laughs> right, so Lazo, uh, man, uh, first of all, I know, um, surprisingly that we work together, I know very little about your story. You know, that's it's really strange. So just run us through exactly like how you went from, well, you to you. <laughs> Me to me. Uh, so um, I'm a recovering heroin addict, meth head, and um, I'm just joking. <laughs> so you said it was such convincing like words. I was like, really? Shit, I didn't even know this. I always feel like in the industry there's going to be this tragic story and this rise to fortune, and it's like everyone's now going into the whole kind of let me tell my story, let me tell my story, which is great. Yeah, authenticity is amazing. It's amazing. Um, but where do you want to start with the story? That's a good question. So I always find it very difficult to. All right, let's go with uh, were you ever fat? Well, I was fat. You were buttable. Yeah, I, I was a, a porcupine. It was something that was not, you know, admired by women, that's for sure. You know? Yeah, right now you're like a fucking was, great god. <laughs> and I was a student at the time, so I was broke. So again, I was admired by women at the time. But I wasn't that bad with women. Yeah. Because I did have the gift of the gap. Yeah. Up top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't, I didn't came from that space. However, I did want to improve the quality in terms of uh, ladies. So I was at university, studying at UCL biochemical engineering, as you do, good at chemistry, didn't really enjoy the subject. Shit was going down regarding my parents, they were going through a divorce at the time, my brother uh, was kind of seriously depressed. And, and you know, biochemical engineering, you don't get really interesting individuals, they're very nerdy. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind geeking it out here and there, but it was just pure geekiness for, you know, for three years. It's intense, man. And the only thing that you'll be talking about is thermodynamic equations and processes and systems and you name it. So it's not what I signed up for, you know, as much as university is something that you should get a degree and work on, I instead became incredibly fat because I ran a bar. I was a manager of the bar and uh, great for example best time of my life in the middle of the student found lock-ins and parties oh well, it's brilliant it, it took a toll on my health as it would do as it would do and I didn't know how to eat well because before I was fed by my mother so you get that's a bit of yeast and pampered so there's no cooking men don't cook in the in the middle of the house yeah. yeah yeah so when I'm living alone with pot noodles and just super junky food had no information on what to do and I just felt really crap so True story, um, you think about the ancient Greeks, what they believed in, you strengthen the body, you strengthen the mind. Yeah. And I really want to change my, my direction of my life. Not becoming a ball straight, I had no intention whatsoever. I just wanted to sort my return, just feel good about myself again. So feel like confident again in a way that I'm used to, kind of poise. And so I did what we, uh, body for life competition after my exam. There's great photos out there, me and Afro holding a, 
newspaper that said beheaded, which is Iron Man Iraqi, just happened to be true. Dude, United. seriously, please send me this photo. <laughs> I want this photo. That's going to be the image of this podcast in particular. Yeah. Not because of the just whole. The image only. Don't, no. don't do the after shot, just the, the before one. No, no, I just want the afro. That's all it is. That's, that's the only thing I want. There's me in my boxer shorts. There's me not looking the bed because I just finished some crazy exams. Didn't have a hair gap. And I'm holding a paper beheaded Saddam is saying something whatever it is and it, it just happens to be that day that I went to take a photo and it was that event on the headline so there's some irony because I'm Iraqi originally yeah <laughs> oh that's good and I did the 12 weeks I yeah transformed myself I ended up winning the competition Simple Prophet came out and gave me the prize and it's the best thing in the world guys to, to be able to overcome yourself you know and transform yourself and feel super energetic super uh Finish strong. I think our core nature as human beings is strong, uh, happy, and healthy. That's yeah. the core nature. So if you get away from that, you'll, you'll just shoot yourself in the foot. To be fair, that's actually something that a lot of people um, don't really understand. Because, like, just to like relate to your story, like when I was thirteen, I was. Five seven at thirteen years old mm-hmm. and weighed around thirteen and a half stone of just fat. I was oh, wow. really out of shape, but I wasn't like if you looked at me, you wouldn't believe I was fat. If I took my top off, you'd be like, "Oh shit, what the? Look, he's a skinny guy. He's not skinny." Yeah. Um, and then like around that time, I started playing basketball, started shooting hoops, and as a young person, your metabolism is like ridiculously yeah, high. Oh, I did. I mean, I used to get told all this time I used to, when I did Thai boxing was I used to have the worst diet in the gym. They were like, you're an, you're an active guy that trains here all the goddamn time, but in between we see you like stuffing down burgers and pizzas and then you come train. So yeah, I was like, just what the hell are you doing? It's like, you'll finish training, you'll go get like a burger from like some chicken place. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> But going from that, I mean, um, one of my biggest passions in life, and the reason I've not done business in this is simply because I tried it and, uh, and like combining one of my passions with the business and I started to hate my passion. So I was like, never am I doing this again. So now I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is a great way for me to get back in shape. Uh, cause I spent years injured and you get out of shape when you're injured. Um, now it's just a matter of like, I'm focusing everything on my business, the podcast and everything else, but Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is the thing that like creates the healthy well-being of my mindset. Mm-hmm. And I've always found that if you have some sort of exercise in your day to day, you wake up happy, happier, more focused, and you get everything that's, you know, mentally, like mental acuity. Yeah, well, there's a legitimate reason for that. And it's like... This is your field, buddy. The, the industrial revolution is just a new thing. The yeah. technology revolution is still just a new thing. Yeah, we were designed to be sitting in our chair right now, but we didn't have chairs that was as our ancestors, pre humanoids, right? They didn't have furniture, they didn't have cars, they didn't have any of these things where we just sit down and just are lazy. Mm. So, you know, our body, body was designed to move, it was designed to sweat. There's a reason why we travel all around the world, if you look at anthropology or if you look at antiquity, is because. We sweat it. We can sweat it out. We can outdo any animal. It might be faster than us, but we'll just keep going. Keep yeah. going. We have a longer stamina, right? Stam- well. Yeah. So we were designed to move. So and especially for men, men like we're that we're pre- predominantly the hunters. So you and I will go and try to find whatever thing that we're going to shoot down and kill and gut and then bring it back to the camp. And then that was an active mode. So we have this thing called testosterone to focus yeah. at that moment. Now. We live in a world where we have to be politically correct about everything. We have to repress our uh, how we feel, mm. and our desires. We have to hold everything down. So we've got this like 
monster energy that's festering in our body that was designed to be exercise or exorcism out. Yeah. It was designed to be released. And it's not designed for just let me ignore it and have a drink. Let me ignore it and eat. Let me ignore it and watch TV. Because all you do is repressing that, that happiness. Right. So, it's not just that. I mean, studies have shown over the last 40 years, uh, and, I, and they do it in 20-year cycles because they keep checking. Um, so they went from 19... They tested the generation from the 1960s, the 1980s, and the 2000s. And they only recently published this. The testosterone levels is today one quarter for men in their like in the first twenty years of their life when their testosterone is supposed to be super high. That twenty year like for, until they're about twenty one, um, the testosterone is one quarter what it is from men from the sixties. The men from the eighties and nineties and so on, like my generation and I think your generation as well, ours is only half. So, like, within 20 years, we lost half our male testosterone, and we've lost another half since. So, we're down to, like, a quarter of what men should be. We've become weak-ass bitches. Yeah, pretty much. Just eat some goddamn steak and go <laughs> run up a hill. Yeah. But you're right, like, it's what they do in zoos. Yeah. So, these animals, especially the, the lions and what yeah. Lions are, like, key example. Yeah, but they, because they don't hunt in the zoo, because they get fed, they're animals, they don't actually, actually hunt, so they don't actually drive, they don't catch their testosterone drops, they're actually way ahead of their time, and so they actually inject it with steroids to keep them younger, so they stay in the damn table without killing themselves, because overall, for just a lack of exercise, a lack of movement, a lack of... Boredom. Boredom, yeah, and so for men and women too, we're designed to move so Whatever it may be, if it's doing jujitsu, if it's going to the gym, or if it's just going for a run, any sort of movement is just going to help your well-being, your thought process as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, tremendously. Because you just get through. If you find it after a workout, it's really hard to be pissed off. Yeah, I find it very difficult. And it's just like having sex with a girl. After you can't get really angry though. Like, yeah. Like so, it, it, yeah, you're like in a weird blissful state. You're a very blissful, rational, you know, poised, rational state where you can actually make good decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's such a true thing. It's one of the one of the best feelings I've actually had is, like, it's post training. It's um, I, I've sometimes gone to the gym pissed the fuck off. I do the warm up, just warm. I'm not even grappled with anybody. Just the warm up. I'm calm as hell. Like people look at me and go, "You came in angry, dude. You're so calm right now." I'm like, I'm in my element. I'm just. It's. It's the best way I can put it is. Um, it's like you're running through. It's like a gazelle running through the jungle in a clear, straight path. There is nothing in your way, and that mental clarity just comes with it. But just to sidetrack here, because I know I don't like. I don't want to piss anyone off with this. Well, maybe I do because it's always funny when I do. But anyone out there that's kind of trolling and saying, oh, you guys are talking about all this other bullshit, you social justice warriors, please go eat a fucking steak, run up a hill, and then come back to me and tell me that you don't feel bad about yourself. And if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, by all means, go get some vegan steak, whatever the hell that is. I don't know what it is. Go do that and run up a hill. Because I'll tell you right now, there's no better feeling that your body needs than exercise and mental clarity. And there's something that you actually do, which is a 12-week training, if I'm not mistaken, that actually helps entrepreneurs, right? Yes. Cool. So before we get into that, look, if you're an entrepreneur or you want to be an entrepreneur, you already have that drive. Like It's just you have that natural testosterone. You have that natural drive. You want that inkling to go forward. But then you get brain fog. Then you get laziness and you get boredom. And uh, trust me, I've been there where you wake up. It's so stressed out that the body fatigues. It works for so long. And then after a while, it depreciates in in, in value because you've been... 
just smashing it at work, you're working crazy hours, you're getting stressed out, and you now the vehicle, the flesh vehicle itself, needs some love. Yeah. And you can't go, go you can't go to gym straight away and hit it hard straight away because that stress in itself, then go find a sweet spot of where you are now, where you want to go in terms of your health. And realize that you are an energy system, so everyone wants to. Um, I don't know the clients that I work with, you know, they, they value their time incredibly, but I always say there's only 24 hours in a day, everyone has 24 hours a day. The only thing you can really truly do to maximize each hour is your energy levels. Yeah. So shifting the energy so you're, you're, you're up there in terms of productivity, that's the key to success. Massively. Um, it's also the key to happiness. Because, mm. uh, what was it? Who was it? Was it D. Martini that said it best? Where um, I think you relate the story of love. That was it. It was the story of love, but you can replace love with health, to be fair. Because mm. with everything else, if you don't have health, you don't have shit. Yeah. You have all the money in the world, and you have a shitty health life. Guess what? You're gonna be you're gonna be wasting all your money trying to get. Go, 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 to, go to your oncology ward. Best exercise you can ever do. Go to oncology. See those people having cancer, and they wish they had health. They don't give a fuck about their money. They don't figure out anything else. They wish they could have their health. Yeah, there's people that I know that have people in my family have had cancer. And like my, what was it? Not my immediate family, but like my cousins and shit. They come from money, so they have um, a lot of like money. But like one of my uncles got cancer and stuff. That dude spent half his fucking fortune trying to heal himself. And like when he was asked what his, like when he healed, he goes, "What's the one thing that you like?" His account like, "You can't spend all this money. What are you doing?" He goes, "Look, I will spend as much money as I fucking need to to get healthy, and I can make that back." Right now, the number one key prerogative is for me to be healthy. Um, and it's scary because health is not taken at it's taken seriously, kind of now, but it's still not. It's because human beings we have this knack to realize that we're not immortal. Yeah. You know, we think we're in the world, we think our health is always going to be cool, no matter what we do with it. It's like, that's not reality. Wake yeah. the fuck up. Like, yeah. Take care of it. And it's not just one week or two weeks or this whole It's every day do something for your health, whatever it may be. Just give it. It's like, it's like you're investing. You put, you put a small deposit each time and put a solar. Yeah. And in the long term, when you get to your 50, 60, 70, 80s, your body still will be in a good place to take care of you. Yeah. It's still in a happy, healthy shape. I mean, something that um, I didn't understand that when I was younger. And I end up with injuries galore, like, you know, uh, broken jaw, broken hands, uh, knee, like, I've had three knee operations and shit, and I'm only 26 at the moment, so, like, my body's gone through, like, I'm only 26, and my body's been through war, like, complete war all over. Now, when I start training, like, I get, uh, I had it when I trained down in Plymouth, someone actually once said to me, he goes, oh, why aren't you training? I was like, I'm injured. Like, why have you got an injury? I was like, sprain my wrist. They're like, oh, stop being a pussy, stop doing this. I was like... You know what? You say that now, but you're 21. Wait till you like. There's a certain point that you hit your body just cannot heal the way it used to. And I'm like, yeah. If I was 21, yeah, I'd be like, you know, screw this rest. Let's keep going. Now I'm like, okay, that's an injury. That could potentially be a six week injury that turns into a six month injury or a lifetime of an injury. Let's not risk it. But going back to what you're saying, when you burn it, like your whole, you you only have twenty four hours a day, and like, how many hours do you recommend to sleep? Because I know there's so many people that have different times. I mean, personally, myself, I sleep four, maybe five hours a night, but that's not by choice. Mm-hmm. My brain's just so used to waking up at five hours. Like after five hours, my brain's just active. It's like, yo, processes, we're going. Yeah. So, like, what would you recommend? Uh, it depends on the goal. You know, if if you if you're really going for hypertrophy and you're tearing up your body, you gotta sleep whatever is necessary for it. So I know like some top performing athletes that I know they they can sleep in for twelve hours. 
but they're training for performance. Yeah. So that's that's something completely different. So as an entrepreneur, as a business person, I always say, how deep is your sleep? How deep is your <laughs> Rather you than how sleep. long you sleep, because there's different states. So you, right now, you and I, we're, we're in beta state in our, in our conversations, so we're quite analytical thinking part. If you and I smoke a J, what I think will be in alpha states, you know, it's a different awareness, our brain waves are sliding down. Or if you're watching a great movie and you're so in trance with it, you're in alpha state because you're, you're, like, you're not in your body anymore, you're kind of like in this movie. Yeah. So they Mark of a great movie, really. Right, right. But if, you, if you're still in an alpha state or beta state, you're not having any deep sleep. That's telling the body we're still not in the parasympathetic system or rest and recovery that's producing these amazing hormones like growth hormones and uh, recovery hormones to re- re- reconstruct the health of the body. Yeah. Then you got uh, theta, which is dream world, so you're dreaming. And then you got delta, which is coma, basically. Black, as soon as you're asleep, you're just black and you don't, there's nothing there. You yeah. wake up pumped. And you would f- f- oh man, those are the best. The rest sleep, they're, they're baby sleep. They're what baby do. They're, they're just deep black sleep, man. They're in oh, man. One of my favorite things. I, I've never had. I've not had this for like seven or eight years now, which really annoys me. And it is, I think it is a delta sleep, mm-hmm. where you close your eyes, you open them, and you're like, did time just pass? Because you, because yeah. all you remember is like closing your eyes, opening them, and you're like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, and, and, and you just feel like. Recover, recover. So you remember that you are drugs. Your body is a pharmaceutical factory. Your brain produces whatever signals to produce whichever drugs in your endocrine system, in, 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 in your neurotransmitters. So you can produce or you can shift the equilibrium of the body to produce the right sort of drugs inside yourself naturally. And so what I mean by that difference is people going to sleep, they have an issue. So what I do to increase uh, my, my, and I could right now, I can sit here five, 10 minutes and I'll fall asleep. I've trained so much on this level. So when I go to fly to LA, I'll sleep even carol class all the way through. Like it's a time transport. So I can tell myself when to sleep. And it's a very simple exercise, but it takes time to build up. You will train new wiring. Mm-hmm. So first of all, when you sleep, for those people who are very optic and it's lights really bugs them, you know, make sure it's super dark, don't look at your phone, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really impact me. Light, yeah. I can sleep, it's just not an issue. But for some people, it's a big issue. It's a big thing. Yeah, so have that uh, soundproof, super nice cushion, nice bed, covers, clean, whatever it is, air, guys, don't sleep naked. The men out there, like, there's a reason why your bags are outside your body, it's because it's supposed to be at a lower temperature than in your internals. That's why you know, the Scottish and the Arabs are quite aggressive by nature because they're wearing kilts and they're wearing distasha and they're, they're not so hanging out. There's a wind there. So we were not designed to have that like, super hot down there. So. Right, so you would definitely say sleep naked then? 100% man, sleep mm-hmm. naked. You know, and if you can sleep naked with a woman, great. Yeah, you would just, just not your pillow, guys. Not your pillow. <laughs> yeah, just not your time and warm and, and sweaty. So having said all of that, those kind of like uh, small practical things, the main thing is most people, they, they, they live in a whatever, they're either living in the past or they're living in the future before they're bed. Yeah. If you have kids, they don't think about what we do in tomorrow. But I need to call this person and to make this happen. And it's right, these emails, they'll make sure this fucking thing goes on. You know, and why did Sally say this to me? No, kids just go to sleep. They don't take anything to bed. Yeah. That's the difference. Okay, I get it, but adults are not kids. But you can create a system. So, the first thing before you go to bed, you contemplate your day. So, you just get out of his head. Don't keep in your head, just write whatever it is, just contemplate. You know, I spoke to Adil, this, we're doing a podcast right here, right now, and then I have a meeting with such and such, so I'll write this all down before I go to bed, just to get out of my head and just look at my day, so it's just like, hmm, it's interesting. 
And then I'll, I'll, I'll write maybe 20, 30 things in terms of gratitude. So what gratitude does, so the contemplation will remove the anxiety, the gratitude will remove the depression. Like if you're, you're thankful, you can't be depressed if you're thankful. It just yeah. doesn't happen. It just can't exist. The two are mutually exclusive. So when you write the things that you're thankful for, but most of us are wankers in general. I mean, we don't realize how much we can be thankful. I'm not talking about intellectually, but actually feel it. That's the idea because it's the feeling of the, the, the body. It means that you're producing the hormone. If you ain't feeling it, you ain't producing the hormone. Do you understand? Yeah. You have to feel it inside your, your, your body. And then go to bed. And you do that for like, I don't know, 21 days to 67 days or whatever it is. You have the ability to fall asleep like that and real deep. That was my case. That was fucking awesome, dude. Seriously, because like the power of gratitude is something very few people really understand. Mm. Um, it's something that I genuinely love to do. Like one of my favorite stories, just I'm gonna like because uh, again we're coming to the end of part one, and then we're gonna do part two of the rest of this. But one of my favorite stories in gratitude is the story of Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, just give you you know the story of Moses and gratitude, all right? Yeah. The whole thing goes up to the mountain. All right, so for the people that don't know the story, I'm gonna quickly like brief right through it. So Moses is going up to speak to God on Mount Sinai. On his way up, he meets a poor man that has absolutely nothing, stinky cloth, the whole lot. And the poor man walks up to Moses and says, hey, Moses, uh, ask God how I can become wealthy. I've got nothing. Kids have left me, yada, yada. And Moses is like, all right, cool. I'll go check this out. check this out. Keeps going up the mountain, meets a rich man. Like this guy owns like a huge ass farm, the whole thing. You can just tell he, he the word money just radiates off this guy. Comes up to Moses, asks how he's doing, then asks, hey, are you going up to God? He goes, yeah. He goes, hey, listen, I've got a lot of money. I give everything away every year, but I end up with more money than I know. People are getting jealous. How do I stop my wealth from happening? You know, how do I stop this thing coming in? Some great health, family, kids, everything. I've got everything I need. How do I stop it? Because people are getting mad at me now. Goes, all right, I'll go ask God. I'll go ask God. On the way back down, after speaking to God, comes back down. Um, rich dude rides out to Moses, has like a glass of uh, water and stuff. And says, hey, Moses, are you thirsty? This said, mostly, no, I'm not thirsty. He goes, okay, but like, did you speak to God for me? And he goes, yeah, I spoke to God. And he goes, did he have any advice? He goes, yeah, become ungrateful. He goes, what? He goes, yeah, become ungrateful. And it's like, okay. Kind of giving Moses the look as I say, the fuck are you on about, dude? Come on, say, I can't be ungrateful. Look at the shit I have. And, goes, the, and Moses basically says, the n- number one way to lose everything that you have is to become ungrateful because you become complacent. And the moral of the story is like, when you're ungrateful, you become complacent in things. And when you become complacent, you take it for granted. When you take anything for granted, it disappears. Namely, look at your last relationship. If you took that relationship for granted, I will tell you they will leave you because they will not want to be around that. It's like, where's all the stuff that you made the effort for when we started getting together? It, it just disappears. So, kind of like going off the track here, but Moses ends up speaking to this guy and this guy just completely goes, like, can't be ungrateful. What are you on about? And it's religious, obviously, because he goes on and says, you know, God gave me so much. How can he say no to my creator? At that moment, the story goes, the earth shakes. The glass he was holding breaks, turns into diamonds. More, more wealth. And on the way down, Moses meets the poor man. The poor man doesn't even ask how Moses is, just runs out and goes, did you ask God? Moses is like, um, yeah, okay. Uh, he said, become grateful for what you have. And the poor man looks at him and goes, instead of like taking this gem of advice, he starts cussing out Moses. like, dude, what the f- look at me. I've got absolutely nothing. I don't have anything to be grateful for. How can I be grateful for anything? Everything taken away from me. At that moment, the wind blew into the loincloth this guy had. 
with it. So he's left with nothing. Moral of the story is when you have gratitude, you engage your brain. Mm -hmm. Your brain is engaged to actually find what's there and what it can focus on increases. Mm -hmm. So it could be something as simple as, and this is by the way, where I, before this podcast, I follow as of this, um, right now shooting this, I'm on my 15th day of consecutive happiness, which has been quite weird for me because in the last like nine odd years, I've had so many different battles of things. I think that most of gone like seven days of just straight happiness where everything's going good where I don't have any stresses, I'm going to sleep right, getting up, I'm happy, all the other stuff. And it's like 15 days when my brain is not kind of going, holy shit, what's going on here? This is really weird. Big difference. I've been keeping gratitude journal every day, mm -hmm. except for it's on my Mac because I'm always working. What I do is the first thing I have a routine now where first thing in the morning when I open up my laptop, I have a file called uh, Daily Gratitude. I open it up. I just write down three things, that are three to 10 things I'm grateful for. Because if I wrote 30 every day, it becomes a chore. If you start with yeah, three to 10, you can always build on it. Three yeah. to 10 is easy. It's, it's, oh, well, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Good good quote there, by the way, totally using that. And then write one thing that's like, what makes me feel awesome right now? And write that every single day, and your brain like kind of starts to have that. That makes me feel awesome right now. He really does. Well, I told you guys we were cuddling, so <laughs> I'm not kidding about I'm that. Thanks for guys. Uh, he says that right now, but just wait, wait till this podcast is over. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so what I'm to say is that pretty much just doing that every single day is really giving me a huge level of happiness and contentment, and that moves forward. So we're going to wrap up the first part of this podcast. Lazo, any uh, anything that you want to shout out right before going? Because we're going to go to the second podcast as well. Yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to speaking to you guys on the second podcast. Uh, any questions? Shout out to Adele, and I'll be happy to answer. Whoever is health. Uh, fitness, training, mindset, or whatever you like. Cool. All right, guys, we'll see you on the second part of this podcast. We're going to publish it as one, but, you know, you'll see it as two parts. All right, take care. Cool. All right, so, guys, welcome back to the second part of this podcast with my main man, Lazo Freeman, in what is now known as the echoey room. Um, you are now officially off the coffee. Yes, I'm officially off the coffee, and there's a, a reason for that. I feel because I'm, I'm onto the tea. I'm You're drinking tea. Wait, so, so you basically em embraced your heritage now? No, no, the truth is I don't like tea. I never liked tea. My parents drank all the tea for me. I'm actually going to do my ayahuasca trip coming up. So you what tea? Your ayahuasca. Oh, ayahuasca. Yeah. Nice. So no coffee, no cheese, no meat, all the stuff. Well, cheese, I don't really care about the meat, but it's, and then the coffee, all the stuff that I enjoy. I've got to lay off it for a few days. When are you, you doing the ceremony? Weekend. Shit. Yeah. God damn. Sorry, for the people that don't know what an ayahuasca ceremony is, it's basically like a spiritual awakening. You purge your body for the week beforehand. And no, during the trip. Yeah, during the trip as yeah. well. But like usually prior to that, you have to like cut out meat, dairy, cheese, shit like that. And then... you know, they say that. Because I did it once where I actually got, I boozed up and I drank like the night before because of some occasion. And then I did it, and I had the best trip ever. Like, so I don't know how true is this fasting thing, but I'm gonna stick to what they tell me and just do it because yeah. it's always good to listen to your experts. Experts, uh, <laughs> yes, <but>, people. <laughs> so, but the idea is it opens up your pineal gland. You just got loads of DMT in your body, and then you can self heal yourself. But I would not recommend this to anybody at all. It's not for anyone. It really isn't. It's, a, it's an experience that's. A, first of all, you need a good shaman. Yeah. And what I mean by good shaman, if you look at through antiquity uh, in communities, anything where there is a patriarch structure to it, 
where somebody says, I am the shaman, I am the healer, right? They're usually sorcerers, they have their own agendas. So it's mm-hmm. a big difference. So they can mess mess up. Mess, they can they, they can do some shit that you use. Not not yeah. gonna help you. Well, out. Not to not to throw this uh, cast version on ayahuasca stuff. But did you hear about the guy in Peru? Mm-hmm. There was an actual guy who went around, and this is the thing you got to verify who your shamans are and what they've done, because they've got to hold the energy in that room. Yeah, probably. Like, exactly. Some dude went fucking crazy and stabbed three people while he was tripping. And that's the only time there's ever been in a situation this mm-hmm. a ceremony where yeah. it's gone that badly. I mean, you have people that just like bug out and stuff and start being acting up, and of course they get moved away. But it's very rare, even those cases. Yeah, I mean, you also don't get too scared by one incident. It's like a plane crash that happens once in a while. It does happen. Yeah. And so you can't say I'm not going to take a flight, but you know, do get the best airline and yeah, sure. Make, do your checks. Do your checks. Essentially, don't don't be like, oh yeah, guess what? I'm going to fly with uh, some company out in the Midwest that's never actually flown before and this is their first test flight mm-hmm. and that plane is rickety and shitty as hell. It's like 30 years old or some shit, right? Yeah, it's... Yeah. So, so I'm gonna want, I want to say to people to be apprehensive about doing this because there are case studies of that but regardless of... I've got friends who've done it and the shaman's like mediocre and they didn't have a really good experience where they truly healed. They never took it to a 10 in terms of what they got out of it. So there's even there's that element. So you might have an ayahuasca ceremony or an experience, but because it wasn't the best shaman around or somebody who knows how to take you through that journey, you're not going to see what it can really do for you. So there's also that. So yeah. If you're going to do it, you might well have the best experience. Yeah, find the right person to help you go through. I mean, um, I, quite a lot of my friends, a lot of UFC fights have actually gone through doing ayahuasca ceremonies. Yeah. Huh? Have you done? Have you done it? It's on my list. So list. Uh, it's on my list. This guy is pretty awesome. This guy has forty-five years experience. You, he would never call himself a shaman. So a shaman just means a sick person has healed himself. Wait, hold on. Is uh, is he the one that Patrick introduced you to, or did you introduce him to Patrick? Which way around? I introduced him to Patrick. Yeah, because Patrick was on about him to me at one yeah. time. As was Toby Street. I think it might be the same guy. Yeah, probably the same guy. Yeah, Toby but, has some other dude. Yeah. Also, he has a, a female woman that yeah. does him as well. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Well, everyone, everyone has their, yeah, everyone has their preference you've got to find your preference yeah exactly sometimes you might because you get the thing for Toby was healing through um, maternal love mm. that was his thing if I remember correctly Toby I'm sorry if I got that wrong don't beat the shit out of me you, you're huge <laughs> in comparison to me <laughs> just <laughs> he is he's massive he's a big lad he's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but he's yeah. so gentle oh, like, that's, that's the scary is. thing it's like, he's this guy that looks like he can beat the crap out of you but he's a real gentleman about yeah, everything. He's a lovely guy. He really is. I want to get him on the show at some point, but he's just busy. You know, yeah. after the whole thing with the stock exchange that's gone happened, like, I think it's he's, uh, he took one of his companies public. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. For, the the investment on that's been ridiculous. We've got 30, 40% ROI straight away. Wow. Well done, Toby. Mm. You're working hard. Yeah. I mean, the guy has been hustling on it for a few years. But speaking of going back to the ayahuasca thing, that is incredible. But more importantly, how do you feel off your coffee? Because like I don't drink coffee, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I've seen friends get the shakes, and I, I get like this with sugar. I get like really bad cravings and shit when I'm out. When, mm-hmm. I, when I don't have sugar for a long time. Okay, so I always have coffee in the morning, and uh, it usually works as a great lactative. Mm-hmm. So you get that morning. Yeah, out so it is awesome. Sorry, guys. For, for the people but who don't know what we're about, the morning love, shit. Yes, <laughs> the morning shit. The morning shit that they do the whole, and then you feel good. You're like, yay! So this morning doesn't feel as great because uh, I eat a shitload of food. So in the morning, that's the place where I drink my like one and a half liters water. I drink uh, 
strong espresso, and then I do my cardio, and my system's like clean. Yeah, it flushes everything out. It flushes everything out. So I use it for that, and then I'll have another coffee with um, the, the team. And it's more of just a ritual to go out and just do a summary of our planning, so just to get out of the office and just talk and drink, drink coffee. So it's more physical. No, it's um, more of a mental thing, really, because think about it, it's routine. It's routine. Yeah, it's a nice ritual that we do. It's not like necessarily I need to hit coffee because I'm not awake. It's like I just want to do this ritual. Yeah. It, it's it is what it is because like everyone has their stuff. It's like when I sit down to write anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a coffee shop I love going to. I don't, again, don't drink coffee. But I have a uh, mint tea from there because mm-hmm. um, I can't drink regular tea. Cause Why? I just don't, oh. No, no. My parents. Uh, my mom used to drink a lot of tea, and when I was a kid, anytime I tried to drink tea, she'd like tell me off and scold me for it because my mom really loves tea. She became addicted to drinking yeah, tea. Yeah, my mom the same. Um, and she didn't want me to go through the same problem, so of having like an addiction to something. Mm-hmm. So um, she just didn't let me drink tea. So I like ginger tea and mint tea. They're like the and hot chocolates. Hot chocolates are the only hot drink I can have, by the way. Wow. Anything else, I just don't do. I just can't have it. It just tastes weird in my mouth. Um, even like warm milk before bed, you know, has me like, I really like warm milk. I'm like, that tastes like rubber to me. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. It's not I'm a huge fan. But anyway, back to what I was saying was um, so we got this crazy ass thing going on like where you know I'm sitting at this place I love working from Timber Yard mm-hmm. and one of the managers comes over to me and to ask me to move my seat and I'm halfway through writing um, a sales piece not like in the moment just writing yeah, in your flow and then I take a moment to breathe and they ask me to move I move to the next seat over I'm only moving like I don't know like just a seat over I'm not mm-hmm. even moving far just one seat over right right and all of a sudden the magic is gone the routine is completely fucked up and I can't write anymore. So I have to pack up my shit and leave that day. And one of my friends is like, do you get like that with everyone? I was like, yeah, I'm a creature of habit. If I sit somewhere and write somewhere, it's my spot to write. Mm-hmm. It's like at home, I can't write while I'm sitting on a sofa. I have to sit on the floor with the table in front of me. Yeah, and you know why that is? Because people and places in uh, certain events, they create emotional triggers and signatures. So certain places when you go to, you feel a certain way. Yeah. So you anchored it into that space. So that environment is like that creates that uh, that feeling for, that for that specific task, mm. you know, or that specific mood that's necessary to achieve your writing sales pitch, as opposed to something else. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't. So I have my spots, and it's really important, guys. If you ever want to make any change, don't do it in a place where you're used to that particular bad habit. It doesn't work. Yeah, if you want to start start jacking off, start trying to start jacking off in the bedroom. Yeah, exactly. That's not going to really help, right? Yeah. Go to somewhere else and try and find a place of just like building new habits. Mm. Or let's just say if you always want to write something, because I remember when I was studying uh, uh, UCL, doing biochemical engineering, and I found it really hard to study in libraries. Like for some reason, I couldn't just read in the UCL library. And I'll just go here and try this. And I know it bugs me when you see other people are really working. Yeah. And you can't. And you're like, what the fuck's wrong, what's wrong with me? And yeah. it's all this dialogue. I don't know what's going on. So instead, I went to the British Museum. And it was just a different feeling. Loved it. So now, to this day, there are 35 years going on. If I ever go to the British Museum, I want to read a book. Like, I'm just, I just want to read now all of a sudden. Like, yeah. It's, it's like everywhere is like anchored for you. So mm-hmm. just like... Um, there's a place called O'Neill's Bar down yeah. in uh, Leicester Square. There's yeah. one on Carnby Street. That's Sorry. shit. The one on Leicester Square is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, my anchoring thing is I went out there. That was the first time I actually danced, by the way. I actually had a good time dancing. Uh, oh, videos. I'll see you dancing. Uh, I'll tell you what. Next time I go, I'll get my friends to take videos <laughs> and shit. But um, no, it was a freaking good night. I had, a, I had an epic night. Um, and then since then, that, that place, anytime I go there... 
instant rush of endorphins of happiness. I'm just like, mood is loose. Like, yeah. I don't even drink alcohol. I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm drunk on the, uh, the energy around me. But then you take me to another place. I'm like, stiff legs, concrete feet, don't want to do anything. No, it's, 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 it's really important to be able to deduce which places. And it's the same with working out. You know, yeah. you've got to treat the, the gym experience for me personally. My walk, that 10 minute walk to the gym is the most important moment for me. It's not even going into the gym. Yeah, you so gotta explain because I've got a very similar thing gone. So what I do, I have this route that goes to gym box home. So I I'll at home, pack my stuff, ten minute walk. I put certain type of music tracks as I walk and I'm visualizing, I'm seeing and I'm watching and I'm hearing. I've already seen, I've done my workout in that walk. Now it's just time to execute. By the time I give my card, my membership card, I'm just really ready to go. And so you've done the 89 percent of psychological training beforehand, now yeah. it's just the execution. It's just the execution. And I always have a really good workout. And if I just go to the gym without that walk or meet somebody and we do a training workout, they get a good workout, but I don't. Right? That's experience. And I'm like, fuck that guy. Right? Because it's something that I want to keep. It's something I really enjoy. It's my love. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, I do share it, but when it comes to my own personal, like I need to make sure I take care of me first before anybody else. But that walk makes a huge difference, right? And even Dorian Yates, we talk about his walk to the gym. So that's where I got it from when I, before I started competing. Who was that? Dorian Yates, he was a six-time Mr. Olympia British uh, bodybuilder. God damn, I've not seen Mr. Olympia competitions in years. Nah, that's again. freaky, yeah. No, I mean, like, the thing is, it, Arnie said it best. He goes, now you see guys that try to do Mr. Olympia, it's like, why is your gut sticking out? Because like, you see Arnie back in the day, it's like, fucking God, ripped. They, they look great. Yeah. It's aesthetic. They look like good. Yeah, Greek gods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they look like basically like, even the sk- the, the ectomorphs were in there. Yeah, there was an ectomorph division where Frank, they were skinny. Frank Dane was uh, Franco Colombo. He's another one that Arnie's one of Arnie's best friends. Yeah, yeah. He he was a tiny skinny dude and he was ripped to shit mm-hmm. and he was strong. He seemed to pick a car up and pump an iron. <sighs> Fuck. You know they actually uh, he's done pretty well for himself as well. He's an investor. Yeah. yeah, and several companies that Arnie invested in, he invested in as well. They were business partners in property before Arnie became famous. Hmm. And uh, building pockets, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they both spoke German and Italian. Italian yeah, yeah. Uh, they play off each other. Mm, did, did you read about that whole yeah, thing yeah. where it was just like you'd walk up to a customer and like Franco would act like Arnie's boss and I would be like, no, it has to be $6,000 to do this. <laughs> There's a good cop, bad cop. Yeah, and they'll just talk to each other in German and just have a little laugh and say, okay, 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 come back. Because like, he said something, we can do it for 4500 <laughs> And the guy's like, oh, we got a good deal. But really, it's like, it'll cost four grand to do this yeah. anyway. <laughs> and to get free labor, to get the guys from Gold's Gym to actually do all the workout. Go, yeah. But that's a business plan right there as well. And we can talk about that in a minute. But back to the whole, like, walk to the gym. Because my gym's in Bethnal Green. Mm-hmm. Which one? Uh, it's down in Pritchard's Road Fight Zone. Okay. So, as you got for Bethnal Green Station 2 Station, not the overground, mm-hmm. um, you know where York Hall was, where you guys all went there? Yeah. You keep walking down to the other end, Cambridge Heath. Mm-hmm. When you get to Cambridge Heath Station, you hit a left. Right. And then it's the, after the Tesco, it's the cross, it's the right on the, tra- on the traffic lights. Just go right on the traffic lights and it's like a massive warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful gym. Huge, it was padded out for jiu-jitsu stuff. Like, so it's got Brazilian jiu-jitsu mats. Right next to that, it's got a CrossFit section with all the workouts that you need. A boxing ring and a Thai boxing area. Wow. Um, and then they're building the, the upstairs as well to actually have a secondary area for people to work out in. Mm-hmm. But that gym is amazing. It's uh, it's probably one of the best gyms I've ever trained at. And again, it's no offense to my home team back down in Plymouth. They're a great team, but we've not really had a supplement that's our own yeah. yet. We're building that. But this gym here, Fight Zone, it's, it's just amazing. But when I'm going to the gym, I have a set playlist on my, on my um, iPod to actually get me into the mood. So it's like 
songs like uh, Iron by Woodkid. Uh, that's another song. Um, Santa Gold's Desperate Children uh, remix, which is I, I basically stole it off YouTube. Because mm-hmm. um, this guy, John Gibb, shout out to John Gibb for this. He did a compilation of Cron Gracie's highlights. Cron being the son of Hicks and Gracie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a bit in it where it starts off and you see Hickson and Cron walking towards a stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hickson goes, why are you smiling? Oh, no, sorry. I think Cron asks it. Hickson goes, why are you smiling? Hickson's like, because it's a good day. It's a good day to go to war. <laughs> That's why I'm smiling. Yeah. And um, just, just Hickson saying that is just like amazing. So you hear that like going through your head and there's a few other songs as well that I listen to. It's mostly like really upbeat stuff and then with a few pieces that just like bring you right down to that moment that you need to go fuck some up mm-hmm. um, including a song by my friend by a guy that I look up to I'm actually trying to get him on the show Immortal Technique mm-hmm. uh, he did a song called Black Viking which, I've heard it dude that song I'm a big is, fan of Immortal Technique you're a big fan of uh, yeah. I am I am oh, a big fan awesome nice yeah. but um, he is that the lyrics to that song are dark yeah. <laughs> like, but then again I get where he was coming from when he wrote that um it was just so fucking dark. So, like, as I'm going to the gym, that same level of, like, that fighter mentality just comes out. I have a great session. When I don't do it, I injure myself. Yeah. Just you're, not, you're, not, you're not in that zone. Mm. I actually found out yesterday that I've got a new level of flexibility now. I've taken a couple of weeks off. I mean, you know the when you do the butterfly uh, thing? Yeah. I've never been able to get my knees to the ground. No, you can't. Yesterday, I got my knees right down to the ground. <laughs> like, like, heels right in my crotch, knees uh-huh. straight down. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, did you, you stretch yourself or do you have people stretch Oh, you? I stretch myself. Okay. I've never had a stretching partner. I've asked people to stand on my, like, on my knees. I'm joining me and uh, Francesca. She's a contortionist. Where, where, where are you guys? Uh, yesterday. So probably next Tuesday we're going to do uh, a stretching what session. What time? Um, I could find out from her, but probably like 5, 6 o'clock. PM? Yeah, PM. Oh, that's yeah. good. Because I was going to say it was AM. I'm like, oh, dude, I, I get to the gym at like 7. I lift. But yeah, 5, 6 o'clock PM. Um, cool. Yeah, she's all amazing, like the way she can bend, just next level stuff. Not that I want to do that. That's just no, for me it would be good because, like, you know, I've got the joint mobility anyway, it's really good for my sport. Uh-huh, yeah. um, but that being said and stuff, last night was just brilliant. Had a great role and everything. Just really, really cool. Got some there good go. advice. Go for the walk. Do the walk, guys. Yeah. Psychologically, walk. like, pump yourself up. Pump what yourself are you going to do? Yeah, don't, don't take whatever nonsense you have. To the gym. To the gym. And if you do, you know what you do? You take the anger of whatever happened and when you use that as fuel. Yeah. So you can you can do that, but in general, you don't want to take. Oh man, today was a long day. Oh, I'm so tired. I've uh, got bills to pay. I've got bills to pay. Like, my girlfriend's being a bitch. You know, mess. Fuck all that. Yeah, this is your time out zone, dude. Yeah, you want to exactly. go like this is the space outside of time and space for you. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, when I'm not like, same, same thing in war. When you said about war, like if you were in war, you wouldn't be thinking about any of these things. You'd be super laser focused. Why? Because your life is on the line. Yeah. So it's almost having that same thing. You're not, your life is not on the line, but you're putting it to that space. Yeah. Where you really want to push it. Um, just something that as well, something I did want to ask you as well, because I'm assuming you have the ability to do this, because a lot of guys do. But for some reason, I've lost that ability. Which is? Um, when I used to fight, like do Muay Thai and stuff like that, I used to be able to go from like, hey, I'm Adol, nice to meet you and stuff like that. The moment I got into the ring, I was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. And I would. I'd walk in there like with a plan to just fuck you up. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, anytime I won a competition, like at the big stages, it's because I've mentally planned a way to hate my opponent, opponent and I'm just like, imagine they did the worst thing ever to me and then just beat them. Right. Whereas I can't do it unless I've got hatred. I don't know how, like, I know guys that are in my gym that just instantly go from, ah, yeah, cool, we're rolling, to like, I'm just going to hurt you and do stuff. And for me, I can't get into that stage. 
But how would you get into that mindset of like that you need to actually go in there because you're you are in combat essentially? Remember, I did kickboxing for seven years. When I was doing kickboxing and competed, I, I you know what I, I grew up with. I think I can generate that energy pretty quickly because my side of my family are Kurdish and they're all freedom fighters. So I grew up with the idea of always stand up and fight. Like it's the first thing you always do. So that energy is always there for me. Mm-hmm. I'm quite mellow chill, like I have learned how to control it. But when I was a kid, I used to have anger problems. Yeah. Big time. I guess lots of people with the that, That's actually how I amassed my fight record because I went, I went undefeated. Mm-hmm. And that was because I was just angry, angry the entire time. But I do notice when I did kickboxing, I got further up in the ranks and I got to, you know, I realized like being more poised and controlled. I'm not, it's like you have that anger, but you, it's, it's not. It's not wasted. You're, 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 you're able to manage it and contain it. And because when you fight somebody of a higher level, you need it to be, you need to be almost... You want to hurt them, but you also want to be in control of how... In control of your emotions. You don't let those emotions carry you. That's the difference. So there's a bit more of intellect yeah, in, okay. in the movement. A good fight to portray this is uh, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. Did you, did you watch that? I did Yeah. yeah. Cormier was so fucking emotional. Mm. He actually hit Jones after the bell. Yeah, by the exactly. Because yeah, yeah. he was like, oh, I'm so emotional. Mike Tyson and the Hollywood. Yeah, he was right. far too emotional to that. Right, yeah. So it's, it, I think there's a fine line between using, say, hate and um, using, say, poise. Mm. So how would you get into that field? Just again, it's not just for me, but this actually like transfers over to entrepreneurialism. By the way, just going to show you how it links up. I'm going to get Lazar to explain this. I want to tell you how it links to the other side. Um, I mean, there's that visual rehearsal. You got to say well, the big why. Why are you fighting? What are you fighting for? So when I'm doing my lifts, if I do a certain lift, I'm, I'm going on a particular training program right now that I'm, I'm testing out and seeing if I can do a certain amount of press ups, non stops, so chin ups, non stops. And you have to tap into the why. So if you look at women who have like children stuck underneath their car and they lift up the car, where the fuck did they get that strength? Yeah, like right? ridiculous. So the why is so big, my kids underneath there, and the body generates so much energy that is able to lift this feet. On other circumstances, no, you, you won't be able to lift it. So you gotta tap into that first. And then you need to also, once you've done the skill set, you've done your X amount of hours into do the jujitsu or the lifting or the technique. So you work with technique, your technique is good. You have to have the technique good. Then it's your breath. Yeah. You can just tap into that breath and control it. Then you can shift the energy so you can be able to maybe lock that, uh, lock that person out or lift a particular weight that you've never done before quite easily and comfortably. It is, there, there is, I think there are phases. I should write these phases out, but that's what I would see as. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you with the breathing thing. Mm. I mean, that's the fundamental of what I do when I start training. Yeah. Is, um, you might, by the way, when I'm rolling, one of the biggest things I actually look out for for my opponents is their breathing. If I hear them go, <laughs> and I'm like, two minutes in, how are you so fucking gassed? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to win. Because cause all they're doing is like over-gripping. Mm-hmm. I'm like, at the end of this round, your forearms are going to be inflamed. You're exhausted. Because I can't actually do that. By the way, I, I had that yesterday. I went full on with this guy because mm-hmm. um, he, he just kept fucking me up. He hit by me like twice while we were rolling, which is a big no-no. Um, I accidental, but I kept on, dude, calm the fuck down. We're on training. It's like 7.30 in the morning. I don't want to fight at this time mm-hmm. in the morning. Kept going, kept going, kept going. Locked up a full on go-go platter. Right. Uh, First I had an Ezekiel, then I went for a go-go platter, and then that just burnt out my entire arm. 
soon as I finished, I couldn't, like, couldn't even bend my hands because mm. I was like, I put so much strength into that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But how this like ties into entrepreneurialism, by the way, just for the people that are at home, breathing is the biggest one because if you're going through like a shit situation, because we all go through them, mm. you know, when your company's like looking at like in the toilet to rising like a phoenix, shit like that happens all the time. Breathing is like the key component between panicking and getting shit done. Oh, just, and, and depression too. So yeah. anything that's fast breathing is anxiety. You're yeah. living in anxiety. Anything slow breathing is you're living now in depression because you're not in tune. You need to have an even breath. So yeah. you can you can just do like a check. Like I'm breathing. Why am I breathing? Slow on the exhalation and fast on inhalation. So if I've got that's depression. You go in a state of depression. You go into some sort of memory that you've probably created more. You, you felt there's more negatives than there were positives. There's something there you haven't uh, attributed in your thought process because your thoughts affect your breathing. Yeah. And then see, now you're forgetting your breathing when I did that. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking deeper <laughs> breaths. I'm just like, am I breathing okay? Yeah. And then so people, like Patrick, he's got he's better now, but um, you know he's a lot fast breath. But then that's why he's so like his energy is up here all the time, which is good. But you will burn out. Very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. So if you want a good burst of energy, take huge inhalations, right? But don't expect that to last. Yeah, that's all. I'd say you won't be able to last very long, yeah. unfortunately. But people notice in body language. You know, if you're in a meeting as an entrepreneur and you're sitting down and you, your breath is not like controlled, it's like this person's not in control. Hmm. It's very subtle, but we people pick it up, you know? Yeah. It's, it's why like the quietest person in the room with the calmest breath is usually the one that's in control. Yeah. Because they're not making all the noise. They don't need to. Well, no. to be fair, it's the, it's the old adage: loudest ve- the um, loudest vessels make. Oh, sorry, emptiest vessels make the loudest noise. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, true. That's true. Um, I've seen that throughout the entire years. Because they're trying to prove something what they are, and that's why. Yeah, it's just incredible what, how that happens. Now, kind of jumping onto this because uh, we've got a couple of minutes left anyway to the show. I need. I want to ask about like what your three biggest pieces of advice would be someone just take away for what for what there's so much still oh, no. I'm going to jump into okay sure sure so three pieces of advice to take on for someone that's currently just like stuck in their life to move up they have a plateau in a particular area they have a plateau or they're trying to jump up trying to get to the next level or they're just on a downslide and they need to like come back up to equilibrium mm-hmm. so what three pieces of advice you give them whether that's in life or business or in romance what would be the thing that you'd give them and say alright motherfucker go do this Go do this and go do this. Doesn't have to be three things in tandem. Could be three different things entirely. But I know you have a set plan of how you do this. Okay. So for example, I would say if someone's stuck, is there's two things. One of it's fear. Mm -hmm. So dissect your fear. What's the worst case scenario that's holding you back from making that decision, whatever it may be, and then look at it and go, you know, if I was to do this, what's the worst case scenario? Could I handle it? And if so, then fucking do it. Right? So if not, then say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this, whatever action. But there's some action you're not taking, that's why you're stuck. There's something else you're not doing that's going to make you move forward. Or there's some conversation that needs to be had to make it move forward. Or there's some decision, which is one of my favorite one, is let go of something. The best word in the world is next. There's always another opportunity. So if it's a girl and you've been trying this on for a long time and it's not working out and you've had those conversations, you gave it a go and you're still holding on for whatever egoic reason. Yep. Right. Or some, you know, that you something that you feel like you need. There's always another woman out there, or there's always another opportunity to start some sort of or guy, different campaign, by the way. huh? Or guy, by the way. Or guy. Yeah. Or guy. So, 
Um, so I, I would say the first two things is dissect your fear. Um, and the way you do that, just risk, break it, break it down, literally. Because fear is so nebulous. You know what yeah. I mean? What are you scared of? And the second, the second part is what are you prepared to let go? And if so, do it. One of the best, if you want self-reliance in, in, in the action, is always able to walk away, no matter what. You're always able, not to in an egotistical way. It's like, so you're coming from a place of like, I don't need a deal. I want to be with a deal, but I don't need you. Yeah. It's two different energies, right? Massively. Massively. And I'm actually, just to interject that, it, pay attention to your language. Mm. Because I did this, like, since the last time we spoke, mm. I started looking at my language patterns going, how often do I say the word need? Mm. And I realized the more times I used it, the worse that situation becomes. Yeah. It'll be more fucked up for me. It's more desperation. Than inspiration. Yeah. So I just basically would always come out with, anytime I catch myself, say, actually, you know, I want to do that. I don't need to do it. I want to do it. Massive difference. Sorry to interject that. It's just yeah. something I was just looking at. That's true. And also, another thing is, if you are just like creatively stuck, just do something completely different. Don't think about the problem. Do something where you're having fun, you'd, or you hang out with different type of people, you're listening to different music, you're going to different areas. Just do different things so your brain has different information that's coming in, and it gives your brain also the opportunity to rest itself and process whatever it is that you're trying to creatively solve. So I find like productivity and creativity, they're the opposite. I, I am my most creative when I procrastinate. I just fuck around for a bit yeah. and I take a shower and walk over. Oh, there it is, that's what I want to know. But when I'm just trying to sit down, I'm gonna be super productive, no, sorry, I'm gonna be super creative, it's quite difficult. So, but the key is like, once you do have your creative ideas, then you need to go into this productive mode of you know, quite disciplined, rigid. Yeah. yeah. It's the reason why I have checklists for whenever I copy, just, yeah. you know, because I know I need to get this. In fact, that's something that, by the way, just for the people checking this out, if you are looking at writing copy and shit, there is a checklist that's available on my site. It's the one I use. And simply, I know there's one more point. We can get to that. No, no, go for it. Uh, but the thing that I wrote, because I was writing a letter for a client recently, and I couldn't even start it. Why? Just, you know, when you, uh, when I write copy, if I can't get the headline down, mm. I, I can't do the rest of the copy. It just doesn't work for me. Like a lot of people go, oh, the headline should be done last. I'm like, fuck you, the headline should be done it first. It, se it sets the tone for everything. Right. Otherwise, the story's not going to be correct. It's like writing the end first and then trying to work your way backwards through a story, right. which Memento did a good job, Casino did a good job, mm -hmm. but it's a very rare, rare trait to do, and I'm sure they started from the start and ended up going backwards. But anyway, um, so I'll start writing this letter and completely stuck. So what do I do? I end up like pulling out my checklist and just start writing in like square brackets, Headline, subheadline, opening paragraph, blah blah. Just do all my points that I have mm -hmm. there, and then systematically go through each point. Right, right. And that keeps me on track, and that just gets me going. Just stays you on track. Same thing, like with. Um, I'm sure the same thing would work as well for like your finances, mm -hmm. your finances, or your emotional check. Do your checklist of like, how do I feel right now, mm -hmm. and then go with why do I feel this way. Right. Like if you're feeling stuck, well, not feeling stuck, but if you're feeling trapped. Mm -hmm. Um, by the way, have you read Secret, Secret Language of Bodies or whatever it is? It's this book by this woman called Ingrid. Um, she talks about like how your body hurts in different places mm -hmm. based on emotional feelings. For sure, yeah. Like for me, my left wrist is killing me right now, mm -hmm. like still is. And the solution to that was like, don't wear a watch, don't wear any jewelry on that left hand. Um, Why? Because you feel shackled. You're actually shackled to something emotional. So what's emotionally shackling you right now? Are you working too much? Are you in a shitty relationship? Are uh -huh. you shitty place with your family and your friends? Uh -huh. 
meditate on that shit and find it and it'll go away. Right, right. Started doing that. Wrist doesn't hurt as much now. Mm. It's been nine weeks that this thing was just inflamed. Wow. I had an x-ray on it. I had two x-rays on it and everything. Yeah. Because I thought it was broken. But also pain is psychosomatic. Yeah. So it is trying to dissect where is this coming from. Cool. Okay, cool. So the last point for you. Sorry, I just like... I can't remember the last point then. Oh, I was busy looking at the, the thinking about the body. Um, well, I can't help it. It's a very nice body. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was the question again? It was like, if someone so, stuck, what would you do? Um, so one the of the best things I get again, one of my favorite things is just hang out with some really interesting people, meet new people. Like, uh, it's just, you, you don't feel so stuck when you meet interesting people. Like, you're just inspired by them. Let, let's just go ahead and say, say you, let's play devil's advocate on this. You're terrified of meeting new people because you have all these stories running through your head. If I go talk to that guy, if I go talk oh, to another okay, girl, come yeah. off weird. How would you get over that? Besides just doing it. No, no, of course, of course. How would you get over that? Um, this is what I see as. So when I go, I'm expecting a no or no interest. That's the first thing. When I speak to people, I'm expecting nobody. That, I'm expecting them to just not like. Say, if you want to speak to a girl, she doesn't care about me. Everything else is a bonus. So if we do hit it off, great. So I don't have any expectation. The problem is we have so much expectation. Yeah. This person wants this. This person see it as like. All I want is to do, be friendly, be nice, uh, show my personality, and just be a good person. And if this person just doesn't have time for me, then I don't want to be talking to this person anyway. Yeah. Right? But it's usually, most of it's stuck in my head. If I like have the expectation, I really want to connect with this individual. I really want to make this happen. I'm trying to you know, need. make this, this need. And I'll give you an example. So I was in uh, Annabelle's in Mayfair, and it was like, there's Prince Williams. That's like uh, across the street with his friends no security guard no nothing I was like I'm just going to go over and say hello I didn't expect I was going to be sitting there for 20 minutes having drinks with him right? sure, when did this happen? this was like two years ago oh shit with, uh, my friend Ryan Ali so I was just like it's just a human being I'm just going to go say hello I expect him to go I'm busy with someone else going to say whatever it is and we're sitting there having drinks shots with Prince Williams now was I nervous? yeah because it's the future king of England at the beginning but the same thing kicked in right I was just like just go say hello if he's still interested he's not interested that's how I, I, I uh, hijacked that nervous energy like dude the king of England the king of England so I don't have a problem walking up to anybody Kevin Hart was at the gym box it's like yeah let's go say hello right and then they were like we were talking for a bit and his, his entourage was just like hey man he wants his workout I go yeah respect but you know, have your workout but I had made that interaction I'm not going to put this guy in a pedestal he's still a human being yeah right I'm just going to be courteous be a gentleman say hello and if something comes out of it a conversation great if nothing does doesn't matter yeah I even gave uh, Prince William a, a world marble got logos in my pocket <laughs> it was hilarious the, the, the night was fun. it was a fun night was oh fun. you got to tell the story yeah. come on you got time for the story yeah so it was uh, it was me my friend he was Iraqi and so we, we sat down we're talking about like he's he's doing like a, he's doing how to fly a helicopter um, his friends were there and they were getting hammered like properly hammered and it was just the funniest thing I've ever seen so his friend I forget his name now the gentleman's name he gets up he stands up and he whacks him across the, his bald head and I just have this uh, uh, gin and tonic and watching this just happen and he, he this is Prince William the nicest guy the really nicest guy he was really interested about Iraq he was really interested about uh, you know the politics there and we're having this conversation about what it is and I was like hey yo open your hand like gifts so he gave me his hand put the ball here but look you got a whole world in your hand you're the future king of England you can make something amazing happen by the way he was drunk but he did keep the ball 
<laughs> that is amazing. That is actually an amazing story to end with. So, dude, I mean, uh, love to have you on the show again at some point when we have more time. Definitely do. Um, but yeah. Guys, go check out uh, Lazo's stuff, bodytransformationacademy.com. Bodytransformationacademy.com. Yeah, that's going to be linked in the site below. It's exactly how you say it, it's how you spell it. There's no, like, miss. It's a long name. Yeah, it's just a long ass name. Yeah. Um, you guys are doing some killer shit right now. Again, though. Again, though. Again, though. Anyway, so, guys, take care. I'll speak to you soon on the next episode of Adam Marcy Unplugged. As always, go check out adamarcy.com and bodytransformationacademy.com uh, as well. Speak soon. Bye.